0: having the right people, what I call having people that are cornered people versus circle people. Now tell me about that. Corner so, people versus circle people. In one tell of our books that. I talk about that circle people in your life are individuals in your life when you have something in your hand to provide for them, they're around when you're paying for the bill, they're around when things are good, they're going great, and you can always provide for someone. And they're just around during that time period. However, corner people in your life are the individuals that are around when things are up, when they're down. They're able to provide you constructive criticism. They have your back. They may not totally understand what's going on, but they respect you. They respect and they believe in your dreams, even though they totally don't understand. And they're with you consistently, no matter how the times change. And so I throw that out there to to people. Are you around circle people or corner people in your life? The other catch to that that I talk about in one of my books, uh, The Hidden Curriculum, you know, chapter four, it talks about One fundamental question, and it says, are you around people who celebrate you or tolerate you?
1: In today's ultra competitive business world, being a successful entrepreneur or business owner can be very challenging. Fortunately, contemporary times have blessed us with resources for tackling those challenges and getting us to success more quickly than we could have imagined. Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs grow incredible companies. This podcast looks at the five keys to unlocking success as an entrepreneur. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason's mission is to use his gifts of teaching and leadership to help others get the results they want out of life. Join Jason every week and learn the keys to grow a truly successful business.
2: Well, welcome back to the show. I am the real Jason Duncan. And as you just heard in the intro, this is the root of all success. And I'm coming to you today with an amazing cigar and a glass of guidance whiskey here at the Standard Club in Nashville, Tennessee. So if you're not watching this on YouTube, you need to go check it out. YouTube.com slash TheRealJasonDuncan. And uh, I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network for syndicating this show, The Root of All Success, on all podcast players. We're honored to be part of their network, honored to be syndicated on whatever podcast player that you're listening on. Thank you for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so that you get notified every time we drop an episode. We're trying to do two releases per week now. Uh, so make sure you get uh, subscribe so that you get alerted. And if you haven't left a review, man, it would be really helpful if you do that because the more reviews that any show gets, uh, just like mine, the more it shows up for other people to discover and listen. And my goal with the show, The Root of All Success, is to show you as an entrepreneur through the stories of guests I'm going to interview like today with Dr. Ruben Cockrell where you can learn how he or she, whoever I'm interviewing that day, how they achieve success. So please make sure you do that and let me help others. Get to success through what they learn on this show. So let me talk about the standard. You know, like I talk about every every week when we record here, live and in person at the standard. The standard is a private club here in downtown Nashville. It's one of the. It's still. It's the oldest still standing old antebellum home here in downtown Nashville. 18,000 square feet of Southern sophistication and style. Uh, there's a public restaurant downstairs, and then there's a private club on the other levels. And I'm honored to be a member. Of the private club here and i'm honored to be able to use this as a recording studio for this podcast and uh we get to smoke these cigars which I'll, i'm not going to tell you what this is if you're watching this because our guest today brought this and he's going to tell a little bit about his cigar business and all the other amazing things that he does but before we get in there let me tell you about our episode sponsor for today it's eight bend marketing that's the number eight b-e-n-d marketing and I want to talk to you about them because as a business coach myself when I when I coach clients part of what I'm trying to help them do is I help them exit without exiting. I help them build a business and a system so that they don't have to be operating it every day. And I love doing that. Well I have one client who came to me, I guess it was about a year ago and their messaging, they had just had some work done, as they say, from a marketing company, but their messaging was so amazing. I thought, who did this? This is the most on point messaging for a small business I would ever seen. And he said it was eight bin marketing. And so I immediately wanted to reach out to uh, to the owner, Josh and his guys down there and say, listen, I wanna talk to you because I've got clients and I've got listeners on my podcast that need to know that there's somebody out there that can do good messaging and get the words right. Because you know, I know we've all worked with crappy marketing companies. Maybe they didn't intend to be crappy, but they just couldn't get the messaging right. They couldn't get everything specifically the right way to give you what you need to convert. And so they help write words that convert. So if you're interested, I've got a special deal worked out with them for my podcast listeners. If you go to 8 Bend, that's eight, the number eight, B-E-N-D dot marketing slash root, as in root of all success. Now follow that with me. It's the number eight Bend, eight Bend dot marketing slash root. They've got a special offer to work with you to set up your story brand script. They're one of the top story brand firms in the country that work with you on how to put your story together. So make sure you go to 8 root. And thank you to Josh, thank you to all the people down there at 8 Bend in Chattanooga, Tennessee for sponsoring today's episode. All right, now, uh, I'm gonna puff on my cigar because it's gonna go out. And I think it already did. <laughs> so that's why we got lighters here. But I wanna talk about my guest today. And there's not it's not often that when I bring in a guest that I actually read the paper of their bios But I'm telling you, this dude is so interesting and has so many cool nuances to his story, it actually requires me to read. So forgive me for those of you watching on YouTube because I'm actually going to look down at my notes. If you're listening in the car or on the treadmill, (laughs) you won't know any better, but I'm being honest with you. So his personal mission statement, this is Dr. Reuben Cockrell, by the way, and his personal mission statement is to educate, enrich, and enhance people's lives so that they can achieve their goals. And I think... Anybody who has a personal mission statement that's codified that way is somebody I want to talk to. It took me through the year 2020 before I finally wrote my own personal mission statement. So I'm, in, I'm interested to know how he came up with that. We'll talk about that. He also has a personal slogan that says, Failure is not an option, excuses are not acceptable, and excellence must be a way of life. I like this guy already. And let me tell you how we met. So we met, and we're going to talk about his cigar business, uh, Master Blend Cigar Concierge. We met at an event uh, for Guidance Whiskey, who the, the owner and proprietor of Guidance Whiskey was another guest on my uh, Jason Rogel, who's a guest on my show not too long ago. He had an event at a at a location uh, a few months ago, and and uh, Dr. Rubin was there with his cigars, kind of talking about it, and we we kind of struck up a friendship and a conversation, and now he's sitting here. So I'm going to let him tell a little bit about that. But he is an award winning, international speaker, author, entrepreneur, and professor. He serves as a CEO of Positive Images and Associates, which is a global consulting firm, and he works with people from all over the world in many different countries about how to get them to implement and manage in a way that makes sense. And he has worked with, uh, he's worked with so many people that I can't even mention all those people, but he will talk about them today. But his story started with being on the verge of being locked up for 15 to 20 years as a young man for illegal activities, to moving on past that, to having four degrees, the dean of a university, starting a global consulting company, all by the age of 26. So things changed fast for Ruben, and we're going to talk about how he did that. He prides himself in his ability to work with people from the street to the elite, and from the classroom to the boardroom. He graduated from Fisk University right here in Nashville, Tennessee, with a Bachelor of Arts degree in Business with an emphasis on finance and management. And then he went on to receive his Master's in Educational Administration from Tennessee State University, also right here in Nashville, Tennessee, and the Distinguished Southern Regional Educational Board Doctoral Scholars Fellowship. (laughs) I told you I was going to have to read all this. Uh, And he made history at TSU for receiving his doctorate degree in only two and a half years. And as someone sitting across the table from him who started the doctorate degree and didn't finish it, I know how hard it is to do that in two and a half years. He also received a certification in leadership management and, and, and a partnership between Harvard and Strayer University while serving as dean at Strayer. He's written two adult books and eight children's books and is the owner of, as I said, the Master Blend Cigar Concierge. I want you to welcome to the show the one and only, much acclaimed Dr. Reuben Cockrell. Dr.
0: Reuben! Brother Jason, hey man, it's great to be here. I've been excited, looking forward to this opportunity.
2: Well, I I have too. You know, when we we met that night, it was actually in Hendersonville. It was at a, at an event center uh, a few months ago, and uh, you were there with your 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 table and the cigar set up, and and you were dressed to the nines just like you are today so people got to look at him he's dressed fine he's looking good but uh you were dressed good dressed well spoke well had awesome cigars knew your business and we just started talking about life and about business and then somehow the podcast came up and now here you sit so man tell me that cigar business is kind of one of a bazillion things that you do know how to do <laughs> how in the world did you get into the cigar business
0: you know uh it's, it's funny you mention that um and i'll get further into the story Um, with my other business endeavors, I've had the opportunity to do business in about 45 countries around the world. And so for me, being a natural A-type guy, I needed something to kind of wind down. And so cigars has kind of been my wind down for several years. And so one of the things I would do is I would go to each country, I would find out where they had a cigar lounge and experience a part of that culture, that norm. And so like if you go to Japan, uh, typically most cigar lounges uh, for every cigar that they have, they'll provide four fresh-cut pieces of sushi, uh, which is which is a delicacy in other countries, but it's a norm in Japan. Or, you know, if you go to Burn Hall in in So Tokyo, the uh, South Korea Symphony will come in on Friday nights and play after their set. And so, having those experiences, knowing that it was a wind down. I really began to say, you know what, this is my vice, but I got to figure out how to monetize my vice, be an <laughs> entrepreneur of me. And so, um, having those experiences, they were just indelible marks upon me. Got back to the U.S. I had opportunities, some investment opportunities to invest in some cigar lounges um, in the Midwest, and you know those opportunities went well as a, a silent investor. And having a business and education background, I said, you know what, I want to take this to another level. And so, within that being involved with education and training, I began to look at uh, the educational side of cigars, uh, more so than just being a novice and an investor. And so began to study uh, uh, work focusing in on how do I push towards the uh, certification as a tobacconist and just other key things to take things to that next stage. And so really took it as another degree. And so uh, began to be aware and open up opportunities as far as doing trainings and workshops and so that's where master blend cigar concierge came in place opportunity where it provides a, a experience it's not about you know cigars and cigarettes are two different things i say tell people that cigars are like a marriage a cigarette is like a one-night stand you know <laughs> and so the cigars <laughs> is about good. the experience it's the ambiance cigars are one of only Two things, probably second to golf, that bring people together of all various ethnicities and backgrounds that traditionally would not come together. And so having that ambiance, that experience uh, where we provide cigar education uh, classes, we provide cigar pairing. So when you met me at that event uh, with Jason and Guidance Whiskey, we actually had a pairing event, a partnership yeah. that we do called Sip and Smoke. And so having that experience and then also doing inventory management for museums, for restaurants, other lounges, breweries where we provide humidors and and stock them with cigars and train their staff. And so that was like, wow, aha moment and really been a fun business. And so it's been really exciting meeting people of all various ethnicities and backgrounds, individuals who've never had cigars, so different events in all various walks of life to have that experience. And it's helped uh, one to build unique relationships and open up the doors and other business involvements that I have and meet unique people like you. I mean, you know, we began to talk and share and I think our conversation went, you know, close to about an hour and yeah. time just really passed by. And so it's been really unique, really exciting. So the next extension of our concierge business is I'm um, coming out with three cigar blends. Uh, one is going to be a Cabinet Connecticut, a Double Espresso Habano, as well as a Maduro. And so that will be coming out over the next few weeks, which I'm really excited about, uh, taking that to market and on a national scale, and just an extension to things that I'm already involved in, and, and to help expand the brand.
2: So, how do how do people get in touch with Master Blend? How do they? Get so in touch they can go
0: ahead if they go to uh, www.masterblendconcierge.com. That's our website. We're also on Instagram at Master Blend Concierge. Uh, we're also in terms of on LinkedIn at Master Blend Concierge. And then also uh, we're on Facebook at Master Blend Concierge. And so, so they get lots of places. They get lots pushed. of places uh, as far as access to be able to reach us. And so we've worked with private events for labor unions, to the NFL, um, to Harley-Davidson, to other different events that we are really pushing to focus in on, uh, to Greek-led organization events, to business events, a lot of organizations that we're focusing on as far as you know, helping them to move the pendulum forward.
2: Now, you've done a lot of things in your life. You're, you've got you're certified as a coach in many different areas. You've got a consulting company that works all over the world. You got the cigar company. You've written books. But uh, I got to ask on the cigar side is that is that is that vice turned into business made the vice more enjoyable or less enjoyable? <laughs> it
0: depends on the day. Uh, it really depends upon the day because the logistics and planning and. And one of the things I learned, and I'll talk about this with all my businesses is, you know, it can be a blessing and a curse because when you start businesses from scratch and, and having the mindset where you're big on it, it's like your baby. And so sometimes it's hard to let your baby go. However, uh, as an owner, you go so far by yourself, but having the right strategic team members in place where they help to manage your challenge areas That helps to extend your business realm. Yeah, and so being able to do that in all various aspects of my business has really helped. Having the right people, what I call having people that are corner people versus circle people.
2: Now, tell me about that corner people versus circle people. In one of my books, I
0: talk about that circle people because sometimes you'll have people in your circle and not in your corner, and there's a difference. Circle people in your life are individuals who in your life, when you have something in your hand to provide for them, they're around when you're paying for the bill they're around when things are good, they're going great, and you can always provide for someone. And they're just around during that time period. However, corner people in your life are the individuals that are around when things are up, when they're down, they're able to provide you constructive criticism. They have your back. They may not totally understand what's going on, but they respect you. They respect and they believe in your dreams even though they totally don't understand. And they're with you consistently no matter how the times change. And so I throw that out there to to people, are you around circle people or corner people in your life? The other catch to that that I talk about in one of my books, uh, The Hidden Curriculum, you know, chapter four, it talks about one fundamental question and it says, are you around people who celebrate you or tolerate you? And when you look at, in the course of your life, if you're transparent, there are people in your life that celebrate you and there are people in your life that tolerate you. One of the things I share on a personal professional realm is to create that list. Be transparent and real of the people in your life that celebrate you and the people who tolerate you in the past as well as in the present. It may hurt you, but it's a way to bring about and deal with certain forms of trauma in order to progress and move forward. Because one of the things that happens to us personally, professionally, especially as business owners or anything in our life is, a lot of times pebble issues happen in our lives and we ignore it. Those pebble issues turn into rocks. Those rocks turn into stones. And those stones turn into boulders. And those boulders hindered our success and growth personally and professionally in our life. So a lot of times, professionally, we may be 40 years old. But on a personal realm, emotionally, we still may be 13.
2: Did you, is that corner and circle thing kind of your thing? Or is that, is that something you learned somewhere? It's my thing,
0: man. It's through that's life a, that's... experiences. It's in my book the uh, latest book, The Consequences of Being Trifling. Uh, yeah, man. <laughs> I like I, I decided that <laughs> the latest book. Uh, it's in there, and and really, it's from a practitioner standpoint. No theory I learned from the book is from heartaches. Hassle.
2: That's so good. I saw I saw a thing on Instagram not too long ago. It said, and I'm, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it, it's it, it meets it kind of meets where you're talking this corner versus circle thing. It said, if your absence doesn't bother them, your presence never meant anything to them. Correct. And there's so many, and those are your circle people. And yes. I, I've got some stories in my life that happened just in the last couple of years where uh, I've had broken relationships mm-hmm. that were really harmful and hurt really bad. But then when you wake up after the hurt later and you look back, you're like, wait a minute, like they're not bothered by my absence which means right. they weren't bother- they weren't impressed or ne- they didn't need my presence. And that means that person was in the circle. Correct. I
0: love it. Hey, man, I got that's what it's I about. Got what's what's about. But see, <laughs> when, when you think about it, and when you think about it, Jason, as far as really getting transparent and real, and I've been working on these things on a personal end, and it helps me in a professional end. But when you think about it, those experiences, and, and sometimes dealing with business and personal life, in those experiences... A lot of times it was your time, but not your turn. But when it's your time and turn, it makes up exponentially for anything you thought you may have lost in relationships, business, and all areas. Time and turn, it makes up for it.
2: That's good, too, man. It's your time and your turn. Yeah, Yeah.
0: sometimes it can be our time, but not our turn. But when it's our time and turn, it makes it up. And when it's our time and not our turn, that's what I consider that off-season training. Preparation. Yeah, you don't become great during the regular season. It's the off-season preparation, not the big things, but the little consistent things we do to build up to get to that point, so that when it is that major league season of our life, it's ready to go. When it's that harvest season and not that seed season, we can move forward.
2: Now, you you said, and I, I mentioned this in the in the introduction, and I don't actually know this story. This didn't come up when we first had our conversation uh, months ago but you almost went to prison uh, for did. some illegal activities. How much of that are you interested and willing to share? Hey, man, I share it. Let me tell so you, I'm happened? all
0: about controlling the narrative. Um, and so, you know, i I'd rather control my narrative than someone else control it. And, you know, I'm a firm believer. The reason why I share it, because, um, you know, our trials and tribulations are nothing more than a test to create a testimony to share with others. And so my story and that experience is blessed and work helped me to work with a lot of people around the world. But I was all state. I was involved in football and track, all state and football and track back in Ohio, but I was involved in major drug trafficking. So by the time I became 18, I made seven figures. I got out, retired from the game, and was planning on play sports in school in, in college, but retired I had double from the game surgery. and you got out of the drug business. Yeah. Okay. yeah, Yeah. And as a result, uh got out, was super arrogant, had tons of money, wound up coming to Fish University head was super arrogant couldn't tell me anything until one day my mom called me the feds were looking for me i had to go back up to ohio I was up for 15 20 years federal time and my savings grace was that i was in college i was out the game uh however i got had to come back with some wiretaps and just some other things that happened however my saving grace is that people saw something within me i didn't see myself at the time so i had to do it i did a diversion program However, I didn't have to do any time, and I paid restitution. And that experience in my life uh, was a stumbling block but stepping stone experience that allowed me that these people believed in me to give me a second chance. I knew that I had to make well on my promises. And I was the black sheep in the family, oldest grandchild for a while. However, I said I was going to turn that stumbling block to a stepping stone, and getting that second chance that, just to be candid with you, a lot of the brothers, African-American brothers, we don't get it. We don't get those type of second chances. And so for me, that impacted my life in a different way as far as really beginning to understand, understanding how to be relational and transactional at the same time.
2: Yeah. So you, you're 20, you were what, 1920 when the feds kind of in, and in, intervened in your life and you had to go through that whole, that experience, but it kept you out of prison, but within five years you've you've completed uh your bachelor's degree you've worked on your master's degree you're working toward your doctoral degree you started world walking how in the world did you go from the the the, the thug drug guy doing the drugs to or selling the drugs to to now i'm this world shaker
0: here's the thing and i think people fail to realize um when you're in the dope game there's some of the smartest business people you know because and the thing is the work ethic is in detail, you understand accounting, and you understand the ability, uh, the ability to understand that psychology is the true business of all business. I learned that. And that's through manipulation, the ability to get people to do things you want them to do, and it can be in a negative way, but you can flip that and cold switch it. And so for me, forget the four degrees, the multiple certifications, the 10 books, a lot of experiences I learned in the street, I just flipped it. I turned a negative hustle to something positive which is why chapter one of my first book is Life is a Hustle, how we hustle physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally on a day-to-day basis. And a lot of people give a negative connotation to hustle. I don't shy away from it. And so I, I took those experiences and realized that, you know what, I've got some good to do. Um, however, there's ways that I can do some good and still do well. And so within that, that's where the whole social entrepreneur came in place, looking at What are ways that I can bring about solutions and not complain about the problems? And so for me, it was the business of education, the business of education, getting through the business of getting a doctorate, because I didn't want it to be a hindrance in my way. I knew I had the tangibles. That was just the icing on the cake. And so I uh, was just motivated and was driven. I took the same same passion in the street of doing well and 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 put it into that other specific areas, man. And I was just like no hose bar. I was the youngest, was used to being the youngest in most of my circles and in business and all these other key areas. And so I just I flipped it around. And so it experienced it. However, there's levels to the thing because then I uh, I was on hustle, the hustle mindset, but then the other aspect of going from hustle is alignment. It's alignment. Which happens through experience and time, but you gotta go through some experiences to go from hustle to alignment of where you can work smarter where you don't have to work as hard. But you gotta work hard and pay your dues so you to get to a point of working a lot smarter.
2: So your entrepreneurial journey really started in the drug business. Oh yeah. But your legitimate entrepreneurial journey where you're working with <laughs> not not behind the law or above the law, but like when you're working legally, what how did your entrepreneurial journey start? Legally. (laughs) So
0: entrepreneurial journey actually started in the first grade, man. My mom used to fix turkey sandwiches for me and I had students that necessarily didn't have sandwiches. So I would eat one half of the sandwich, say one half of the sandwich and sell it for 50 (laughs) cents in my bag. And then I started selling the sandwiches. Um, And so I I made money uh, in first grade and, and, you know, another business lesson, uh, my cousin got aware of it and I wouldn't cut him in. So he wound up stitching on me. That was oh. another thing I, I learned <laughs> in terms of that experience uh, earlier on. But so that was my first entrepreneurial experience. But I think for me, um, going back to your, your question, was I, uh, what happened was people began to, to ask me the same question How do you go from one extreme to the other? And so I would help people, but I'm like, shit, I'm wasting a lot of time. I'm helping, that's great, but I ain't paying the bills. So I began to uh, formalize plans as far as some informal coaching and, you know, started doing some training. And then I was like, man, this can really go well. So began to really package, you know, training components together for audiences as far as youth and other organizations, not-for-profits, you know, who were just really passionate about the story. And I tell people, your story is your hook, like in a rap song. Your story is the hook. And as people gravitate to your hook, then there's other stuff that you can bring to the table. But knowing that your story is meant to help empower, and a lot of experiences we go through are not just for us, they're for others. There are certain situations that we may sneeze, but other people catch a cold around us. And so as I began to really understand that, as I began to really indulge into my experience, that's when I began to say, okay, I can empower people, but I need to be able to leave something with them, which is why I wrote the first book, The Hidden Curriculum, Life Learning Lessons, because I began to speak, and they were like, okay, what's next? What can I do? And so that's where the whole book aspect came in, writing the folks' book, because that was something tangible I could leave with them. And they was like, well, what else can you do? So then that's when I began to create curriculum from the book. So now I've created, you know, three to four, and at that time I had CDs too, the Audible version of CDs. <laughs> so I began to create multiple streams of revenue off of my story and off background-wise, which then began to open up doors. And so, while I was dean, um, you know, I began to work on a book and then an the opportunity came to do a, a 12 country speaking tour in South Africa. So I had to make a decision. So I wound up stepping down as dean and still stayed teaching online uh, uh, for the university. And that tour was a game changer, having that, you know, um, that additional international experience on a positive hand, um, it was a game changer, really opening up my eyes.
2: What year was that, when did you do that?
0: That that tour was two, uh, 2005, 2006. Okay. I'm sorry, not 2005, it was 2008.
2: 2008, so right when the world was about to collapse. Yeah,
0: yeah, having that tour, uh, being sponsored for that tour that really opened up the door Um, one, to realize that you think you're in a a worse situation, there's always someone in a worse situation than you, but then really, really, truly impacting that global experience. You know, I, I, I feel like I've gained two or three other degrees in global international studies because of my travel abroad, working abroad, understanding different cultures, different norms, you know, being humble in those cultures and norms and not taking Western culture over to certain locations of arrogance at times and other things which help to open up the doors and being able to do due diligence and research of those countries helped to open up the doors to really embrace embrace those environments
2: you know when i you you are and i i mean this 100 percent as a compliment like you're the most unassuming dude like when i met you i mean you're dressed really nice you're doing the cigar thing no, there's no way in the world I would have known there were so many levels to you, layers. Because like, like, you don't wear it out there for people to look at. It's, 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 it's a humility that, that, uh, that you've got that I think has is, is probably served you well. Now, here's my question. Um, I know I just called you humble, and, but I'm going to ask you to brag. <laughs> so, so I know that I'm, I'm setting, you, setting you up. But your family, uh, when you were a teenager, did they know... Uh, that you were in the drug business they didn't know okay so when they found out you were in the drug business devastation i could probably imagine mom dad whoever you know they were absolutely destroyed um because i'm a parent i know how that might feel if my you know my son or daughter ended up finding out they were running drugs or whatever it was that you were doing but now that was a dark moment in their life dark moment in your life but you flipped it. I did. What, what did mom and dad or your family, I don't know who's still living and who's with you, but what do they think now that Ruben's gone good? Like it, not just good, but like Superman good, went completely the opposite direction. What do well, what they think? you
0: know, it was interesting. You know, I was the black sheep, heard all types of comments, but you know, for me it was a, it was part of a motivational factor. I, I bet it was. Uh, that, hey, I'm gonna show them better I can tell them. And I would say my biggest cheerleader even though she was very disappointed, was my mom. Uh, You know, I was a black sheet with a lot of other family members and all all types of comments, and okay, give her granted. But she was very disappointed, but she still uh, believed in me uh, during that time frame. And so, you know, since that time, um, I used it as an edge because I knew family members said certain things, which was motivation, getting through school and everything else. But what I had to learn, uh, because it it was was like a sports rub in the edge, but what I... What I learned over a, a period of time was making sure that my intent was well going through and what I was going to do because it was a it was a hurt feeling, but I caused part of that hurt. So that's what I had to learn. And so um, within it, you know, they've they've been proud, um, you know, ma- majority of them been proud, but you know, there's been jealousy too, uh-huh. uh, directly there's and indirectly. Always haters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, and so if you understand the nature of the beast, you won't be surprised by what he or she may do. So understanding the nature of certain norms, understanding the nature of certain family norms who secretly want to vicariously live through you and then live their <laughs> dreams. You begin to understand that um, and you adjust and adapt.
2: So you, you've uh, become s- tremendously successful in spite of a, a rocky start. Even though if you had looked at worldly success back in 1920, financially there was a tremendous amount of success, although Correct. done in a, in a negative, less, in, less than integrous way but now you've become a success in another way. So let me ask you this, Let me, because this is the root of all success, as yeah. a show. So what is your definition of that word success? Everybody has their own. What's your definition?
0: I'm gonna tell you, man, my definition of success, because one of the things I didn't share is I work a lot with the reentry uh, environment and space, and so. Meaning what? So uh, I work with uh, a lot of potential returning citizens who are locked up because of my experience. I, um, I've been blessed to uh, train from correctional officer staffs, to actually work with, with our potential returning citizens. You know, I don't call offenders you know, or anything like that. They're potential returning citizens. And so I've been able to work with them. Uh, I've also been able to, on a business side, to create curriculum and license it out uh, to Department of Corrections and to other uh, you know, private prison organizations. And uh, within that, it's been great because no returning citizens have had to pay a dime but the Department of Corrections have paid for it. And it's helped to get time off of uh, our returning citizens, you know, records and other things. And that's been really exciting. But for me, true success has changed. And I think for me, true success is the ability, what I call each of the third power for me, to help educate, enrich, enhance people's lives and helping them achieve their goals. I naturally hit my own goals, which is serving leadership. So the ability to work with that population and know that, hey, man, you gave me hope. You gave me hope from committing suicide or being here locked up or this period of time. And then to be able to see them get out or work with other populations of youth, see them down the road and I'm supporting their business or uh, being able to help others who may be clients and knowing you've helped take them from one extreme to another. For me, that's success because for me, what I have learned and still learning is Within the relational, the transactional naturally happens. Yeah, But you don't just get there overnight because a lot of times, man, you think about the transactional and fuck the relational. <laughs> but through the relational piece, the transactions happen. And so as you begin to understand you know, the different regions in the U.S. and just how to do business and you adjust and adapt, I think for me, that's the biggest form of success at this stage of life right now. Because what I've learned as I began to pivot and shift on more on the relational side, I've noticed. The transactional picked up but it was just one of those pieces i really had to learn of really empowering people because as leaders man we can impress from afar but we impact people's lives up close and personal
2: so you've got this personal mission statement which you just used in your definition of success which mm-hmm. i find clever so your your personal mission statement is you want to educate enrich and enhance people's lives Call so they can achieve power so they can achieve their goals if you
0: help them achieve their goals you naturally hit your own goals and you think about it You've been in business, even when you talk about exiting without exiting and helping people achieve their goals, you hit your own goals organically. Uh-huh.
2: You know, what's funny is that when I, you know, I want to ask you how you came up with that misstatement in a minute, but I, I know last year, uh, 2020, I went through Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, like deep, like really, yeah. really deep. I studied every single day, every single week, created videos every single week on it so that I would and teaching other people, I would know, know it better. And part of what he talks about is creating your own personal mission statement. Mm-hmm. And I came up with mine, is, that, is I wanna use my gifts of leadership and teaching to help other people achieve the results they want in life. So you and I say it differently, but we're yes. aiming at the same thing. You wanna get their goals, I wanna help them achieve results. How did you come up with your mission statement?
0: Well, well for me, uh, it was through trial and error because I think um, in a lot of stages of business, I was, like I said, I was so focused on the transaction of, like, fuck the relational. And having that mindset would take me so far, yeah. so far, but then it'd be like a ceiling right here. But what helps in that process of people talk about, yes, it's not what you know, is who you know. But it's a third element that people don't talk about is, okay, it's not what you know, it's who you know. But at the end of the day, the third element is, is who knows you? And with, and when you call, will they answer the phone? Mm-hmm. And that happens through the relational part, yeah. through trial and error. So in learning that and making some adjustments and kind of taking a step back on the outside, looking in and having some conversations with some business individuals that I thought we could have done more. And that time has passed, but then having some objective conversations where nothing was on the table I noticed a consistent pattern when the same thing came out in talking with me. So I said, you know what, I need to internally look reflective on that and see how do I make some adjustments. And there's ways that you can be relational and transactional at the same time. So in, in, in really taking that process personally, I when I work with a lot of businesses and organizations, that's one of the questions I pose. And I pose it to the CFOs you should see some of the interesting expressions those c- sweeters I prose it to them man those superintendents and you, it's amazing to hear or see their nonverbal communication
2: <laughs> they don't know
0: <laughs> yeah they
2: don't know never thought
0: of anything about it now in terms of the mission statement why that was important because I feel when you look at the course of a day there's so many things we we get involved in we get tugged in that Necessarily we waste time because we don't know our mission. And so at the end of the day, each and one of us, we are a business. No one can market us like we market ourselves. However, a part of that, when you work for a lot of organizations, I say eight out of 10 have a mission statement. Okay, but what makes you different from them? Because you're a business, you're a walking billboard. Why should, you should have a mission statement. And I feel when we don't have a mission statement in place, we get tugged and pulled like a puppet at times running over here. Doing this for this organization, doing this for this civil organization, doing this for the organization. So we're focused on quantity versus quality, which then crushes our time, which then increases our stress level and our anxiety level, and sometimes leads to depression, because we feel like we're we're busy, but we're busy with no purpose. So we're just busy to be busy. We're just romanticizing with the ability to meet to meet. I think that's a lot. That's a lot of stuff you just rolled out there. So I want
2: to dive in that just a little okay. bit, and then I'm going to ask you in a minute. Uh, about that that definition of success against your mission statement, but I want to talk about this mission statement for a second. Yeah, you said hey, we're we're our own businesses. Nobody can market us like we do. This idea of the personal brand is relatively new. It's only a few years old. I don't know who, I don't know who came up with it or how it came, but this personal brand. And I know that my personal brand is the real Jason Duncan. I, I kind of that that was a part of the whole 2020 experience for me. Is how do I brand myself to on mission, on point, where I can help people and you've done the same thing and I think we come at it from two different perspectives, but we're aiming at the same goal. What would you say uh, to someone listening to this show who doesn't yet have a personal brand or a personal mission statement? What would you, what would your advice be on? Like we've already assumed that you should have one. That's what we just talked about. So that's assumed, but how would they go about creating
0: it? Well, I think there are a couple of things that can be done. You know, one it's not the end of the world that one has one. I think one has to be transparent and real of where they are personally and professionally in their life and so one of the things when I'm training or working with organizations or businesses I set a rules of engagement at the very beginning I say I'm here to help you in your personal life and professional life and I'm going to talk about some things that can be applied to both but I think one of the things we have to do is we got we have to do a personal SWOT analysis and the SWOT analysis is looking at What are your strengths, your weaknesses, opportunities, and threats? And typically, a lot of business organizations, they incorporate that activity to be able to forecast. Well, guess what? We need to do that for our own personal lives. But in order for it to be effective, we've got to be transparent, transparent and real in order to do that. And if we're able to do that, then that sets the tone to create a blueprint for our lives. And when we look at those opportunities we're not taking advantage of or those potential threats, a lot of times it falls in place because that mission is not in place. And so when you begin to look at, what am I passionate about? What would I do for free? What experiences have I gone through that I want to help others with? And really just kind of breaking that thing down as you're talking about from an introspective, looking within. Because a lot of times people's mission statement comes out of the trauma that they've gone through.
2: hmm I know that I forget the the step by step procedure, but I know that Stephen Covey's book he talks about how to develop it. And I remember I remember part of it he was just talking about kind of what you just said. What is it that you're unique, you you are uniquely qualified to do? What are what are your experiences? And that's why my mission statement with it starts with I want to use my gifts of leadership and teaching. I feel like God created me to be a teacher, Correct. More and above, far above anything else I could do in life. Like, I have a supernatural ability to teach other people to take complex concepts mm-hmm. and pull them down into that. Okay, well, that's great. I was a school teacher for a while. I have a degree in education, just like you do, right? Man, both, I didn't know that. Yeah I, I was, yeah, I was a school teacher for four years. I have a master's in education. And uh, I thought, okay, well, this is where I'm living this out. Well, right. but I could, like, impact whatever you want to. You know, for whatever reason, I'm not still teaching because of the budget cuts, and that's a whole nother, that's part of my story. I don't want to take your time telling my story, but I think that finding out what you just said, what are you you uniquely qualified to do? So the people listening, what are you uniquely qualified to do? What can you do? What is your trauma? What can you grow? What have you grown through? And one of my guests, a past guest on the show talked about serve the person you used to be. Like, who were you at one time? Serve those people. I think that was, that was really and here, good.
0: And here, I love that. And here's the thing, Jason, is within that period of time of you teaching, you were planting the seeds to prepare for you now. So you're still a teacher, just oh, in absolutely. a different atmosphere, yeah. environment and space. And so you can't plant seeds and harvest in the same season, as I mentioned. You were planting seeds and building. I'm big on those differentiators for right. mission statement, but you were building letters of credit
2: Mm-hmm.
0: letters of credit in the course of your life that was preparing you for these moments like now. That's right. But it started off in that classroom experience, and then for that season, it expanded to a different space. And and that's important because I think it's about our perspective and realizing, you know, while we're doing certain jobs or working with certain clients, is everything happens by happy chance. And when you look at it, there are certain experiences we go through. The benefit may not happen then. It may happen in another intangible way. So there's intellectual capital there's experiences that you've learned and I've learned in other involvements that prepared me to go ahead and progress and move forward. Prime example I tell people one of the best business experiences I had was in 2012 so I, I had some major major transactions on the table man and I invested and it went bad and as a result it went bad to the point where I went ahead to humble myself and I went ahead and worked at the Dollar Tree. I went to the Dollar Tree and I worked there and I was a stalker. None of them, they didn't know I had a doctor degree, anything else. They thought I was actually, um, what's the show on Undercover Boss? Oh, yeah. Like he should be Undercover Boss. But I was just like, you know what? This is the defining moment. It was a humbling moment where I had to get back to the basics, uh, Back to the basics. I know I'm giving a plug for the Dollar Tree, but I got back to the basics. <laughs> I stocked. I worked extra hours, um, and treated it like this the only thing I had. Stayed there, stocked, worked with the manager until having that experience and how I handled that experience led to a huge contract working abroad that got me back on my feet. And I, you know, wind up letting the job go, and the manager was like, "Hey, man." You can, if you ever want to come back here, I was like, hey, I appreciate it. I said, this was the greatest, the greatest business experience i ever had and and on a personal professional end, it helped me more than just stocking. Uh, But having that experience of was a shedding process I had to go back through. And we all have to have those humbling moments and have to have a level of being comfortable, being uncomfortable, because when we get too comfortable, that's when the rug is pulled from us. Yeah,
2: entrepreneurs have to be comfortable with uncomfortability. Yes, yes. And if they're not, if you're going to succeed, yes. you've got to be comfortable with uncomfortability. Right. You, you going as a multiple degree holding guy who's made lots and lots of money, uh, working as a stocker at the $9 Dollar Tree. dollars an hour. L- listen. If you're not willing to do that, that that gets right to one of the keys of success, which is passion, meaning willing to endure. Not necessarily liking it, but willing to endure. And that is your illustration of that key right. success, is that you are willing to endure the $9 an hour stigma of being a stalker at Dollar Tree. But here you sit on this couch across from me as a super successful entrepreneur, traveled the world, spoken at all these places, written these books. I applaud you for having that passion, that willing to endure. But I want to go back to the success definition. Yes. Educate, enrich, enhance. That's yes. what you said. So yeah. that they can achieve their goals. With that as your definition of success, does Rob, Dr. Ruben Cockrell consider himself a success?
0: I consider myself a success and progression. Oh, good. For the simple fact that um, I've been proud of some things that I've been able to do. Um, and I think Um, I'm proud but hungry, and I think um, within that, still coachable, still teachable, willing to learn, look at opportunities, willing to grow. So I've I've been proud of what I've been able to do this far, but I'm not content, because I think when you get too content, then that's when things get into becoming mediocrity. And one of the things I'm a firm believer is having folks in your circle who are at a point of where you're striving to get to and one of the mistakes I've heard from several individuals I have talked to is they got too comfortable and the skills and talents that they used to get to that point they kind of put it aside and then they became a little bit weak mentally. and got too comfortable.
2: I think I think there's some good C words here right so you got comfortability, you got complacency, Yep. And you got contentment. Now you said that you're not content, but I would challenge you. I think you are content because I think the difference between you got comfort on one end, mm-hmm. it complacent. It's really close to comfort. Complacent is like, I'm I'm good, but I don't strive. Right. Content is I'm good and striving. So I think that's y- you where know you're what
0: at. that's that's a great way to look at it because I would truly say going back to my mission statement that if I was to die today, I've lived a fulfilled life because. I'm content with the people's lives that I, you know. I've been blessed to be able to touch around the world. Yeah, um, on that end. So that's a different way of looking at it. Yeah, um, that challenges me. Yeah, I think I to look think at a different perspective.
2: Yeah, I think. I, I mean, I, certainly, I'm not arguing with you, but I, I think that knowing who you are and hearing your story, contentment in the negative connotation certainly is not where you're at. But I think you're content because you're not going, man. Man, there's more. Oh crap, I'm not doing enough. Right. Like you've done a lot. You're right. happy with what you've done, but there's more to do. And right. I appreciate the humility because when I asked you the question, you had a long pause. Well, you know, I'm a success in progress. And I love that about where you're at. But I want to go to these five keys if I can. Yeah. So on these five keys, is kind of my theory why the show exists, is that there's these five keys that every entrepreneur, just like you, has unlocked the door to success. Yes. Like whatever. Financial or or relational success that you wanted to achieve you use the key of passion Which is the first one you endured and that is evident you endured a lot of crap a lot of a lot of shame I I can't imagine what it would feel like if I had to you know in in My level of success having to drop everything and go work at Lowe's or Starbucks or Dollar Tree wherever it happens to be that That willingness to endure but the second key to success is being the right place at the right time I think every entrepreneur that I've talked to on this show and off the show about their keys to success, they can usually point to pretty specifically, this was the right place at the right time for me, and it wasn't about luck, it wasn't about happenstance, it was like I put myself in this place and it ended up being great for me. Do you Can you think of a place that you were there at?
0: There are a couple of different moments, man. You know, one was um, I was at a, uh, a conference, an event, was invited to attend, and you know, I was asked to tell my story just briefly on the spot. But hey, if you stay ready, you don't have to get ready, That's which right. is a chapter five of my, my, my first book. But within that, I began to uh, give the hook and a sizzle. And so within that that story and experience, uh, a gentleman was there, but now to me, was from the White House. And as a result, this was during a period of, you know, President Obama was forming My Brother's Keeper Task Force, uh, for STEM initiatives involving marginalized black and brown kids. And so gentlemen heard my story, shared it, came to me. It was like, man, we're forming this task force uh, for black and brown kids. Love your story. Uh, would love to have a conversation if we can get a conference call to talk further about maybe if this is an uh, organization or committee that you want to be a part of. And so with then I was like, yeah, man, that'd be awesome. We began to talk, share information, set up a call. So I was like, okay, I'm about 50-50. Uh, about this, but I'm like, hey, you know, we'll see it. We had a call, we get to go in depth about the story and hear things I've seen in that space. Boom, A couple of weeks later after that, I was at the White House, a part of that task force and was there for several years. That's one of those moments where you prepare, you're ready. Uh, That was a moment. Number two, another moment that stands out to me uh, when I talk about in terms of embracing your story, your experience, the day, after, the day after I came out with my first book, the day after um, I was on C.C. winer's show, a filming of a show that she had in Florida, 10 million viewers. And that's when I, I first really fully told my story to the world. The day after I came out with my book, I was ready. You know, I wasn't caring about what people were going to say. So I had the chance to control my narrative right then and there. 10 million views the day after that. Like two days after that, I damn near had to change my number. <laughs> but the beauty of that experience is, one, I was able, a part of Trials and Tribulations, as I shared with you earlier, to share my testimony with the world. But within that, it helped to empower a lot of people, and that's what opened up a lot of doors as far as book sales, being ready for that moment. And so as I talk about that all season training preparation, being prepared because you just never know you come across in that that opportunity so uh those are two moments and there are some other moments man just being prepared business wise or having conversations or or really studying understanding the psychology of the true business of all business and you're listening to things like you know what here's some answers for this let me give the sizzle and not the steak and be prepared for those moments but yeah there are moments There are a couple other countless moments i remember just being ready man and I think you, you can never be pre- prepared, ready. And what? So I tell people you have, always have a speech ready, prepared. Have some, have, you know, some notebooks down or something that you can talk about. You know, be prepared. If people ask you about yourself, have have multiple versions that you can share. Do your due diligence before coming to certain events. Do your due diligence. Who's going to be there? How do they connect to your products or services of what you have?
2: Yeah. Well, you I know? think I think what's interesting is you just... You talked about the fourth key, which is preparation. You you just gave a great illustration of that. The third key, the third key, so you got passions, number one, right place, right time is number two. Third is people, knowing the right people. Who have been the right people in your life that helped propel you to where you are today?
0: You know, it's interesting. Um, There's been some family members, a few family members that have, but it's also been some other individuals and, and I want to add to that man it, uh, sometimes the right the right people that prepare you are your idols becoming your rivals
2: yes 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 they can be positive Rick Ross or has a
0: he's got a rap song called idols before become rivals man and that thing hit because what happens is sometimes you can have folks who are considered as mentors and and they feel you start moving too fast and they become competition they feel like you become competition so they want you to slow down, stop answering your call. But, hey, that was meant for that season of time. And yeah. so I think maturity-wise, you learn, okay, you know what, that was meant for that period of time. But I've had countless people. I've had some mentors, some have passed, who helped prepare me for that season in their own area. No one's had it all, but they've had different pieces. Uh, I've had uh, from White House staff to three-star Marine generals who have been there and helped propel to be able to to really push, move forward, you know. Um, my wife my kids like there are different aspects and elements of of where people are in their life to help you at that particular time and phase yeah. and so I think what I had to learn was thinking that this person is supposed to have it all to help you but man that shit is messed up too in certain areas of your life that <laughs> may be yours so it's just like a great fish sandwich you got to pick through the bones to get to the good meat
2: that's what the I love.
0: Mountain,
2: yeah. yeah, don't give up fish just because it got bones correct, in it. Eat correct. the fish, and that happens the bones. with
0: maturity. And then that also happens when the cycle changes when you become from the mentee to the mentor. Yes, and then you begin to understand why certain things happen with the mentee when you were the mentor.
2: Yeah, so you can be that person for somebody as much as those people were for you. Yeah. The the fifth P, which you, we are, t- so we got passion, right place, right time, we're on the right people, being prepared, which you talked about, is plan. The fifth P is plan. And what I mean by that is that most entrepreneurs I talk to who are super successful, I'd say less than 30% had a written business plan, probably, probably even less than that. But, but, I, but what I'm talking about is the ability to deploy the financial resources to be successful because being successful, it takes capital to make yes. it happen. So you, know, you look at some of the most successful people who've changed the world. Uh, Some of them were poor, you know, Mahatma Gandhi was poor, Mother Teresa was poor in terms of financial, uh, personal financial wealth. But what did they have access to? Yes. Access to capital to make it work. What was your story of success and how you had the access to capital to make your businesses succeed?
0: Well, man, it's a great question. I think one of the things is I've learned and I've been learning sometimes impact and influence is greater than capital because impact and influence can get you in doors that capital won't. That's true. And actually that's been the greatest impact for me. And then having the capital was the bonus, but it's helped me get in certain doors because people knowing your heart, yeah. people knowing that, what is your word worth? Knowing that you, your word represents accountability, dependability, you're gonna underpromise and over deliver. That's right. Those have been greater impacts as far as capital than sometimes the financial capital now having it and being able to add to it has been a bonus however i personally have discovered those have been greater man because there are a lot of Pope's situations that you can have a ton of capital be an asshole yes and you only get so far but people just see you as dollars and cent versus see you as a person that's right
2: so we got lots of people that listen to this show for various reasons some people are just interested in the personal stories like what you shared with yours other people are looking for that edge. What, what's the next thing I can do to be more successful? And some people are watching, are listening, and watching this show because they haven't started yet. Yeah. So, what would you say as a as as an international speaker, author, very successful entrepreneur in so many different avenues as a coach, as an author, uh, as a, as a cigar aficionado and and master blend, right? How. What would you say to them? What's your advice to that entrepreneur out there who hasn't yet, yet taken, the start, taken the leap to start? What would you say to him or her?
0: I would, I would say um, it's about doing your due diligence. Um, doing your due diligence, finding out where people are who are where you're trying to get to, but also understand there's never a perfect time to get started. There are due diligence and things you can do that helps you a lot more successful when you take that leap and jump, but understanding that the mindset of working in a nine to five and entrepreneurial is totally different. It's not a come eight to four job, come home, sit, jump on a couch, watch a couple of reality shows, do some other stuff and go to bed. That's not that story. There's sacrifice.
2: Yeah. So with your story of sacrifice and success, um, how would people connect with you? Like, what's the best way? They're impressed with Dr. Ruben Cockrell. They want to get in touch with you. They want to work with you. What's the best way for them to interact with your world?
0: You can definitely reach me if they go to my website, www.dr, and then another dot com. All right. They can also go follow me on Instagram. Reach out to me. Uh, My Instagram handle is at Doctor and then another R Cockrell. Okay,
1: so like your website. Yeah,
0: and then and then also uh, connect with me and my team on Facebook, uh, Doctor Ruben Cockrell, or on uh, LinkedIn uh, as Doctor Ruben Cockrell, and then also uh, through Twitter as well. So I'm pretty I'm accessible. (laughs) Yeah,
2: yeah, I'm accessible. Everywhere. So so this guy I want to tell I want to encourage everybody, especially if you're right here in the Nashville area. I mean, you're doing these Master Blend uh, Cigar Concierge events because that's how I met you, and that's how I came into your universe and, and we able to get this show put together. So you're an accessible guy. You've got opportunities for people to read your books, to connect there, to connect with you on any of the social media platforms. Any final comments or stories you want to share before we sign I off? Would ju-
0: I would just like to share with the audience that's listening that your starting line does not have to be your finish line. It's not about where you start. It's about where you finish. That's what matters. At the end of the day, your future can be much greater than your past. And I believe it for you, but you got to believe it for yourself. What you're becoming tomorrow, you're starting with today. It takes those consistent steps, those discipline, to be able to progress and be able to move forward. And the last piece I want to share with you all is the ability to listen. And when you look at the word listen, breaking down listen, the L stands for look for the facts. Look for the facts internally as well as what's going on around you personally and professionally. Look for the facts. Put the emotional noise aside, but look for the facts. And then the I is imagine the possibilities of success rather than the fear of failure in the course of your life. Imagine the possibilities of you being successful, achieving your goals, your dreams, your passion, your mission versus failure. And the S is seek insight beyond your own. It's great to have insight, but have your own personal board of advisors of individuals who are those corner people in your life and not circle people in your life. And the T is turn inward. Use the spirit of discernment. Turn inward. What's that gut feeling you have about individuals, about the business opportunity? Respect and believe in your gut. And the E is expect greatness out of yourself, even when others don't. As I mentioned earlier, be your own greatest cheerleader. Put in the time, put in the effort, put in the due diligence. And it's key, expect that greatness, even if others around you, even the family, even friends don't expect that. Expect it of yourself, because there's a difference in confidence versus arrogance. Be confident, but not arrogant in that process. And so once you've done that, the last letter is the letter N. Name your decision. Once you've looked for the facts, you've imagined the possibilities, you've seek insight beyond your own, you turn inward. You expect greatness out of yourself when any the others don't. Name your decision and stick with it. Because in life, as Nelson Mandela said, you either win or you learn. The only time you don't learn from experiences is when you lose. So I wish you all the best of success. And realize that the sky is the limit is only the beginning for you. I love thank it. you,
2: Dr. Ruben Cockrell. Thank you for being on the show, man. This has been an honor and. Uh, more than I would have imagined. Like, I, I mean, I knew you were an impressive guy, but this, getting this show and hearing all this story.
0: Man, I'm appreciative. I like uh, this has been an awesome time. <laughs> I like I'm you. glad you like me, Jason. <laughs> I like you too. I appreciate it, man. This has been an awesome time, man. Just want to be able to talk, to share, you know, be a part of my vice, relax. Man, I can, hell, I can do multiple shows like this. <laughs> this is why uh, I do them this way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate it, opportunity and I look forward to working with you in the near future. Well, thank you for the cigar. Thanks for coming in today. Well, guys, uh,
2: ladies, gentlemen, as you listen to this show, I mean, it doesn't get a lot better than that. You've got this guy in Dr. Ruben Cockrell who could have gone to prison and could have been uh, defeated and could have could have let those bad uh, bad things happen to him to keep him from success and he pushed through. And not only did he achieve success, but he achieved it multiple, multiple ways, relationally, financially and uh, transforming other people's lives so i want to encourage you to continue to listen to the show tell your friends about the show subscribe leave reviews because it's stories like his and all the other people that we interview on this on the show the root of all success that will give us the keys to success that we can the keys listen if he had a key to my house he can get in my house right that's the way keys work the keys that he just shared and that all my guests share on this show will work for you too all you've got to do is use the keys of passion, being in the right place, right time, knowing the right people, being prepared, just like he talked about, preparing for that opportunity and having a plan. And I want to help you do that too. As a coach, as someone who, who coaches business leaders and entrepreneurs all over the world, one of the ways that I do that is I help entrepreneurs exit without exiting. I teach them how the four steps that I took to exit a multimillion dollar business without having to sell it without having to, to give up 100% control to another party, where I was the owner-investor rather than the owner-operator. Get out of the 60, 70, eight-hour work weeks and still maintain the financial and tax benefits of business ownership. And if you wanna learn how to do that too, no matter where you are in your journey, if you're starting midway or you're close to the end, ready to actually sell it to another person, I can show you through my exit accelerator coaching cohort how to get there. I do 12 weeks with 12 entrepreneurs eight sessions live with me where we go through together as a cohort these four unique steps that I use to exit without exiting and you can do it too. Go to exitwithoutexiting.com today. Sign up for my next cohort. I've got one starting very soon. I want you to be in that cohort with me. Exitwithoutexiting.com. Thank you for tuning in to The Root of All Success. I'm the real Jason Duncan. Tune in again next week and I talk with another amazingly successful entrepreneur about his or her keys to success and how they achieved what they achieved so you can achieve the same thing. I'll see you next time. Until then, remember, Jesus is King.
1: Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with the real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, we invite you to visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Take charge of your business grow it from great to incredible. Join us again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.